Fear, where terror is homegrown. Join us as we take a drive down dusty back roads and discover the obscure and dark history of this country, human and otherwise, that lurk in your backyard. You are back for another fun-filled, excellent, awesome episode of State of Fear. Yes. What's up, peoples? Uh, that is right there, the sultry voice in your ear. That is my good friend, James. Hey, what's up, everybody? And I am Chris, your other host. And tonight we are doing the tiny state of Maine. Maine. The Maine, Maine. It's actually a very beautiful state. Is it? Very beautiful state. I have not been the there. The coastlines there are gorgeous. When did you go? I went uh, two years ago. Oh, okay. I mean, the big old trip you did. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Me and Bill, we uh, took that road trip. We always do those historical trips, and we ran up and down the coast and saw all the historical areas and things like that. And I will say this for Maine. It is a death ground for squirrels. Holy Is it really? I am not kidding, dude. I'm not lying. You could not go 100 yards without seeing dead squirrels on the road. Wow. I mean, tons of them. How are there still squirrels left in that tiny state? I don't know, but it's all woods. <laughs> Being imported from Canada? Exactly. You know, I guess. <laughs> something. But man, I'm going to tell you what. Yeah. It's not good to be a squirrel up there. Wow. That's... There you go. It right. was heartbreaking, though. That's what we need I to love do. squirrels. I love little animals, man. I hated seeing that. It was like a slaughter ground. It looked like a battlefield. It was It was, It was. was kind of hilarious, but it wasn't funny. Every you episode know? needs to start... With a weird random fact from the state, and that's the one right there. That's it. So starting with Maine, every episode is going to start with one, one weird random fact, and the, this one is, Maine is a death ground for a squirrel. That is true. And we went to, uh, what's that bay? That gummit. Uh, anyway, the Aquaman Lighthouse. The oh, lighthouse okay. in the movie. Uh, we, we actually went there before they filmed the movie, so it was kind of cool seeing the place. Yeah. Other than that. Roll on, my friend. Roll on. That's it, huh? Yes, um, sir. Yeah, so today's episode is going to be on another cryptid. Yes. Um, it's, so it's Maine's, I don't want to say version, or I guess I could say variation of Bigfoot. Yes. Uh, it goes by a few names. It's more commonly known as the Maine Ridge Monster, uh, but it's Bigfoot. And so there's not too much backstory because I think a lot of people know the backstory of the Bigfoot creatures. Yeah, they, and, and you're right. That it's like every state has their own has variety. Their own Bigfoot. West Virginia itself has like 30 different varieties of Bigfoot. Right, right. You and know, like so. Florida has two, and so like you know, the Bigfoot. It's it's a uh, it's a creature that's been around forever. It's possibly a you know a link to um, you know our our prehistoric stages. Absolutely. Um, it may actually just be a creature from another dimension. Um, it may be a tribe of uh, indigenous people that have not evolved and are still living in, in the wilds. It's it's all up for debate. And that is very true because uh, up until recently, I thought woolly mammoths were extinct like 
was it 10,000 years ago? And it actually, there's evidence of the fact that they survived on an island somewhere up till about, I think it was like 900 years ago. Gotcha. Yeah. So they actually made it a lot farther than man, you know, it was commonly known to man. Well, yeah. I mean, even, so, you even know, the, the coelacanth was thought to be extinct for millions yeah. of years until it was, you know, recently rediscovered. Absolutely. And I think that it's also possible that some kind of missing link creature half man half ape type Missing creature link, yeah. could have made its way through you know because there's lots of places to hide lots of unexplored areas of this planet you know there's no telling and they are the world's masters and champions of hide and seek so what that that is your that is your official position on Bigfoot is that they are a missing link creature. Could be. Okay, I, I don't want to hear it could be. I want to know what your actual like if someone based on his anatomy someone said you, what need, he to, is, you need to give me your absolute belief in Bigfoot or I'm gonna shoot you in the head. What is your belief in order to live? What do you actually believe? Well, first of all, they're getting the foot sweep, and I'm taking the gun away from them. <laughs> okay, but you're all tied up in the chair <laughs> with chains, so you ain't sweeping nobody. Yeah, realism here. <laughs> okay, there we go. That's what all I'm right. talking about. No, but you're right. My actual stand on Bigfoot is I do believe they exist. Okay. I do believe they are some kind of in-between. Okay. Between total Neanderthal and current man. Okay. And the only reason being is because we have fossil evidence of Neanderthal, you know, of Neanderthal style creatures Mm -hmm. were they considered quote-unquote man to me i don't know i've seen the pictures all right i just thought there was some kind of prehistoric ape you know in a way yes they walked upright but apes walk upright Mm -hmm. lots of them do chimpanzees hell bears do yeah exactly so yeah yeah, i think it's a go-between go-between okay cool all right so take the chains off you now live okay uh i personally believe 100 percent that it's a interdimensional creature uh, that it exists on other planes uh, that occasionally merge with this one uh, through weak spots or, you know, um, lifts in the veil or tears in the veil. And sometimes, and, and, and that's why they're briefly seen. I um, also believe that uh, they are possibly uh, a worker race for the aliens because there have been a lot of reports of UFOs uh, combined with Bigfoots or alien bigfoot's being seen either leaving or entering craft uh aliens with bigfoot creatures that is very true so i believe and i I believe aliens are interdimensional as well so i believe they are interdimensional creature which will explain why we never found a body because their body they don't live here so they don't die here yeah uh or if they do die here they're alien you know overlords or whatever remove the body and take it back with them you know that's that's very interesting fact um but I, i did hear one interesting theory about about why we haven't found a body, uh, a Bigfoot body. It is possibly they're a they're a race that devours their dead. That is ghoulish, but okay. I mean, there are races that do that. But I do know there's also tales of some species of Bigfoot or some tribes of Bigfoot actually being cannibalistic. So yeah. that does fit the facts. When, when one dies, they devour it as a way to in, in you know inherit its essence, unless it's bones. But they probably use the bones for you know I don't know. Who knows? I don't know because they're they're not Neanderthals, so they don't they don't use tools and stuff, as far as I understand. But well, there's a reason that they are so evasive. That's there's right. reasons they've been spotted, but they can't find them. Yeah, we get a footprint here and there. We might get a hair sample here and there. Don't get no stool though. But you don't. No, you think they'd you be really a, don't? There's you think nothing be one really big pile of shit somewhere. Yeah. And Jeff Goldblum would be like, that is Bigfoot shit. <laughs> you know. But we don't. We don't got no no we no feces anymore. We don't get any of it. No. no. Again, I, th- I think they do it on the ship, but they do it in their own dimension. 
you yeah. know, which is which is great, which is very kind of them to not leave their mess all over the place, you know? Which could this be, you know, going off that theory, Yeah, thinking back to, like, Atlantis, thinking yeah. back to ancient Egypt and stuff like that, and the construction of these pyramids and stuff, the Aztecs, all that stuff, you know, the Mayans, I mean, all right. you know. And all those structures, those huge drawings on the ground, all this the stuff. The lines, yeah. Yeah, and it has been uh, theorized it was done by aliens, mm. and that could correlate maybe with the fact that civilization could have gone way back. You know, like the – I'm trying to get my thought Yeah, together I'm trying here. to figure out where you're going because you're going around and around and around. And I'm... The Neanderthals. The, the, okay. different, the, the Neanderthal man okay. could have been a predecessor of the Bigfoot. Right. Okay. That was used by aliens way back mm. before they, and maybe they have evolved through time to a more modern understanding of what our what we think Bigfoot looks like now. Okay. Cons, you know, instead of the old school way and stuff. Gotcha. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know. I hope that makes sense. To yeah, it, 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 it makes sense. Um, I mean, it's definitely a like different. Said, theory on that for yeah and sure. if they're workers for the aliens yeah then the aliens have probably been coming here forever oh yeah since the you planet know, was was created yeah. absolutely so why not have prehistoric workers they were just a different you know even man our even us as creatures you know since we first stepped on the planet we've evolved we've changed a lot who's to say that we are not a dna experiment where the aliens tried to create another race of bigfoot creatures from the ones that they enslave and then we spouted off from that, and that's what we are. Well, that's a weird theory. I don't know if I subscribe <laughs> to that one, brother. But, but uh, well, I'm calling know. that right now. That's what Bigfoot's are. That's what we are. We are just descendants of Bigfoot. When the, the aliens tried to replicate or clone more Bigfoot creatures to do to do slave work, to build the pyramids and stuff, and we just evolved. So we were the Danny DeVito of twins. We were yes. the genetic crap that we was left just, over. Yes, we right? were just like in the corner cowering, and then oh lord, yeah. Um, but okay, well, that's uh, that's interesting theory there, James. Hey, man, you started it. <laughs> that's awesome, though. I do like it, but I'm I'm glad we have different theories on it. Yeah, me too. Which is cool because it's boring if you're like, yeah, I agree with you. You know, it's nice to have different, you nice know, to different bounce, bounce ideas off and stuff. Yeah. Okay, well, before we get into the uh, main story of Maine, the main main story, main, I guess you can say. Maine, that's yeah. right. Uh, James, what have you got for us today on the weird news of the day? Cue the Jurassic Park music. No, I meant really do it. I'll put it in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. it, it might be in the background or something. So. I hear you. All right, friends. Well, today's story is a really interesting one because I've always loved dinosaurs. Me too. And... This story is called Flying Dinosaur Sightings Are on the Rise in North Carolina. Why not everywhere else? Yeah. But we do have a chart that we looked up when I was researching this, and I will post that online on our social media after this uh, episode drops so that people can actually see all the different states and where they have seen live pterosaurs. Okay. I think they'll enjoy that. Story goes... 
story is dated March 25th of this year. And it goes, North Carolina has long been home to legends of Bigfoot, the Lake Norman monster, and lizard men. But recently, there's been a growing belief of modern pterosaurs living in North Carolina. Okay. Pterosaurs were flying reptiles that many scientists believe went extinct a long time ago. Uh, yeah. Yep. Crypto- no, they're still around. They're still around. Oh, yeah. I, I, believe, I believe they are. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Cryptozoologist Jonathan Whitcomb, author of the books Modern Pterosaurs, Searching for Ropin. Searching for Ropins and Finding God, and Beat That Kid in the Chest. <laughs> I thought it's oh man, I almost thought it said beat that kid in the chest. What? I was like, man. This is like this is like those uh things, one of these things is not like yeah. the other. You got you got a book on pterosaurs, you got a book on ropins, which is also pterosaurs, and you got a book about Finding God. Well, well, the the same book as Finding oh, Ropins, okay. yeah. But but the third book is about beat that kid at it's about a chess book. I guess <laughs> why even put that in the story? I don't know, on, but I'm anyway, it's on. all yeah. good. Anyway, they sent out a press release about the creatures, including new pterodactyl sightings in North Carolina. He commented, quote, my associates and I believe that these are non-extinct pterosaurs, which many persons would call pterodactyls or flying dinosaurs. I would love to see that. Oh, yeah, me too. Cynthia Lee, who has been studying to become a veterinary technician, reported to Whitcomb an apparent pterosaur that she saw on Thursday, January 4th, in Raleigh. She was sure that the flying creature had no feathers, but it did have a long tail with a diamond-shaped bulb at the end of the tail, which would... Uh, would it be a pterosaur, yeah. That would be a pterosaur, yeah. It also had a head crest. I like that. Man, I want to see one of these. She also spotted the creature last week following Wednesday's snow. Lee was taking an Uber ride to work when she saw an Uber ride. An Uber ride. Hey, it's a bonus. When she saw the same crested creature out of the window, the driver did not see it. I was just about to say. Hopefully his eyes are on the road. uh, Exactly. I was going to (laughs) say, damn. That's a good Uber driver. Yep. Her recent sightings in Raleigh weren't the first occasion someone in Cynthia's family has seen an, an apparent pterosaur. She told Whitcomb about a sighting many years earlier. Quote, my mother and uncle saw one too while they were playing outside of my grandma's house when they were really little. They told my grandma, but she didn't believe it. Of course she didn't. Nope. Get back in the Kids house. are making up stuff. Yep. I thought they were extinct. Since she has seen for herself, however, Cynthia no longer believes that they are all extinct. Whitcomb also wrote an extensive article in LiveTerrasaurs.com, which includes several additional North Carolina sightings. In Charlotte, a man and his cousin saw something bringing to mind the word dragon. The man said, it looked like what I had seen in Jurassic Park movie. In Asheville, a lady saw a huge black-winged creature fly very low over her car. It hadn't... (laughs) That'd be cool. Yeah. It had no feathers but sharp edges to its features. In Jacksonville, an eyewitness saw something huge flying in the sky. Quote, it looked like a pale, greenish, white, and smooth-skinned. It didn't appear to have any feathers, and it had a tail with a diamond shape on the end. Greenish white, huh? That's weird. It is weird. North Carolina is considered by many cryptozoologists to be one of America's seven pterosaur hotspot states. Seven? There's seven, huh? Oh, man. I guess that map I put out will tell everybody about that. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, here in Texas, we have we're one of the states with the highest number of the sightings yep. for this thing. I think it's just the mosquitoes, but you know, you never know. <laughs> Matt Carmel, professor emeritus of evolutionary anthropology at Duke University, said that it's not impossible for there to be living pterosaurs today, but it is highly unlikely. You're saying there's a chance. That's right. Quote, I can't believe that if there were living pterosaurs in North America, three centuries of naturalists, explorers, farmers, hunters, trappers, and biologists would never have run across a single specimen, living or dead. You didn't mention pilots? Pilots got to see it in the sky. That's true. You know? But they ain't in there. But they're probably drunk, too, so. Yeah. Cartmill told Raleigh's News and Observer, quote, I'd rank it as being slightly more probable than living unicorns in Raleigh and Durham. But only slightly. <laughs> that's not. That's that's that's, that's just wrong. That's, that's pretty smug. That's pretty much messed up. But that is our story of the day, my brother. Really cool, man. I, I love the idea of pterosaurs. There was actually a really famous uh, um, encounter of a pterosaur, I think, in the seventies here in Texas, where one. Well, well, it was a thunderbird sighting. Okay. Which can also be in, in, described as a pterosaur, but uh, where it actually like picked up a, a boy of like five or six. And like picked him up and took him across the, the the front yard like five or six feet before his mother came running out screaming at the thing and then dropped the kid. Holy crap! Yeah, we may have to talk about that in a future episode. But yeah, it's, it's a famous sighting. I want to say seventies here in Texas. I know it's Texas, of course, but I I'm fuzzy on the dates, but I think it's the seventies. So. Let's get to it. What we got? All right. So as we mentioned earlier, uh, the episode is about Maine, and it's about the Maine Bigfoot creature, uh, also known as the Maine Ridge Monster. Uh, it's a version of the Bigfoot legend whose description is wildly inconsistent throughout its sightings. So unlike other Bigfoots of the different parts of the states. Isn't that Big Feets? Big Feets. I don't know. Is it Big Feets? <laughs> I don't think it's Big Feet. I think you're right. I think it's, it's Herd of Bigfoot. Herd, a herd of Bigfoot. There you go. Like yeah, uh, I guess. Most of the time, pretty much 99.9% of the time, the Bigfoot creatures that are sighted are are said to be at least 6, 7 feet tall. Always taller, though, but for the most part, they don't range uh, under 6 feet. Yep. This one, uh, there are stories of it being anywhere from 18 inches to 6 to 8 feet. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that. 18 inches. 18 inches. We'll get into that. Holy uh, hell. Sometimes it has black Angry fur. little troll. I mean, please. <laughs> <geez. laughs> it's, 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 um, what's that? What's that, uh, creature from the trilogy of terror? It's the, oh, that's uh, the little the Zuni doll. Zuni doll, yeah. He's coming to get you. That's right. Uh, sometimes it has black fur. Sometimes it has brown fur with a white chest patch, but it also has been seen to have fully white hair as well. It goes by different names as well. It also, it's also called the Puloma and the Medibumps Howler. <laughs> so, Medi Bumps is the name of one of their. Uh, their Sorry, I did, that, no. that's funny though. It's actually named one of their lakes. That's why. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. I thought I thought like Medi Bumps is that like a I don't know if it's like a, like a Native American term. Uh, Paluma is a Native American term, but uh, Medi Bumps just comes from the lake that it's it's okay. been heard at. Yeah, I know it's a weird name. I know the Howler though. I like that. So the first sightings were reported around 1800 and were from the around the Mount Catadin area, the Piscataquis County. Uh, Mount Cadigan is home to Baxter Park, which is where the Appalachian Trail ends. Uh, so the first incident happened in 1855. 
and it happened near Walderboro, Maine, around January 21st of 1855, when J.W. McHenry heard loud screams while chopping wood. The screams were coming from a wooded area near his home. When he looked up from the pile, he saw an 18-inch creature covered with black hair. <laughs> <laughs> so, the first the first sighting was 18 inches. It must have been like an infant, because that's the first sighting, and then after that, they get bigger than that. But what so, the hell was he screaming about? I I don't know. Maybe maybe he was about to chop off his home or something. Maybe the, you the, know what the wood was like his house, and he's about to chop it, or maybe. Or maybe he doesn't like him. I don't know. But he was he was pretty angry, apparently. I, he was pissed. He was pissed. When he looked up from the pile, he saw the creature. The creature turned and ran into the woods, with McHenry giving chase behind. After a short chase, he caught the creature. And after it grew tired of trying to fight its way out of his hands, he took it home and kept it as a pet. Oh, jeez. Yeah. What? There is no record after that what happened. It just oh, says he Lord. kept it as a pet, presumably till it died or probably killed him. And then McHenry was never seen again. Yeah. And that's it. But yeah, first sighting, 18 inches, not very exciting. Fed it after midnight, all hell broke loose. <laughs> I mean, you never know. Mogwai. Yes, it you was. Know, you never know. That's where gremlins come from. Good job, McHenry. Now, a handful of newspaper accounts told of a deadly encounter in the Maine woods with the creature in 1886. The Waterville Sentinel was the first to report encounters with a 10-foot-tall wild man with 7-foot-long arms and hair growing all over his face and body. Now, that's more like it. That's more like typical. This is like an episode of Mountain Monsters. The thing starts at like 5 feet tall, and by the time the episode's over, the son of a bitch is (laughs) 8, 9, 10 feet tall and weighs 800 pounds. Well, I I think he grows a foot with every six beers they consume. I guess so. I think so. Uh, In the early October of 1886, a Frenchman arrived in Waterville to tell a frightening tale of woe. (laughs) Woe. 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 Joy. Woe. Yep. He said that three men were camping out in the woods about 100 miles north of Moosehead Lake. Two of the campers left the camp for a week, and when they returned, they found their friend dead. Well, for God's sakes. You took off and left his ass for a week? <laughs> well, I mean, he should be, if he's a camper, he should have provisions and stuff. He should be fine. He's on a lake. Get some fish. Well, cook it know, up, you know? Uh, you know, hey. Now, this is 1886 where people, like, knew how to live rough. Okay. Yeah, true. So they, but should, they also they, they could have killed his ass and left him there. Good point. Yeah. He came back. Oh my God. He's dead. Yeah. Uh, they gathered together a posse and went out to look for the killer. <laughs> it was during that search they stumbled upon the 10 foot tall wild man. Nice. The group shot at it multiple times, and but eventually killed the creature. Well, where the hell's the body? They, uh, I don't know. There's no report on what happened to uh. it. It's just. It's just gone. It's one of those things where, like, back then, Bigfoot wasn't, like, a, a cryptid, so they didn't know what it was. They figured it was just some crazy wild man, somebody who lived in the woods. So Ten you kill it, feet you tall. Okay? First of all, that is otherworldly, all by its own. You know? Yeah. Nah. I ain't buying it. Maybe they, maybe they just didn't want, like, all the, the pressure and the press to come up. So they just, like, or maybe, maybe they were worried that because it looked somewhat human, it might have been murder. Yeah. Oh, and so they buried it, buried and then it. only later did the tale come out. Now, sometime in the early 1900s, a man had reported an encounter with a strange creature while logging. Uh, he was driving to camp when he saw a large, hairy man run out of the woods and dart across the road, which caused him to slam on his brakes. He and several other lumberjacks went to search for the creature later, but never ended up finding it. You know what? I want to interject something real yeah. quick. what's going on? Pacific Northwest, known for its lumber industry. Yes. Heavy lumber use. Yeah. These creatures are heavily seen up there. Mm -hmm. Could it be that they're being run out of their territory or they feel threatened 
by the human presence there that's tearing their home down. You know, that's just weird. It's because, you know, you hear a ton of sightings up there. Yeah. And right here you just said something. This is in Maine. This is and in Maine. In, and it's around a uh, yeah. a lumber plant. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of weird. Maybe they're, they are uh, creatures of, what what would you call them? Uh the the uh, environmentalists oh, maybe okay. they are maybe they are you know they have a strong environmental uh, way about them and they and I know, wonder nature if... is their home so when people jack with it yeah they're gonna start showing up interfering maybe break their equipment when they're not looking stuff like that and you bring up a good point um, the Pacific Northwest is just the northern part of California and Oregon um, that whole area is is known for their their sightings um, and it's a wooded area it's a heavily yeah. wooded area forested heavily, area yes. Um, you know, the, the famous Bigfoot Patterson Gremlin, or Gremlin, the famous Patterson Gimlin, um, footage, was it Gimlin or Gimlet? No, Gimlet's a drink. Okay. Gimlin. Okay. And it's not Gimli. That's from Lord of the Rings. (laughs) (laughs) That stays in. Yeah. (laughs) That footage was filmed in the Northern part of California. Yep. During, we're near a wooded area. So what if. The whole northern part of U.S., southern part of Canada, it, it's a, it's a very large forest, and it Huge. extends extends from it extends from or North it's three thousand miles long North California, Oregon, across yeah. the border to Maine. That's a good point. So this thing just travels. It goes east all to west all that way. It yeah. stays up north in and, the forest, and and they can be everywhere. Yeah, you know, because you don't hear. I mean, you hear Bigfoot sightings and other stuff, but they're usually always in a swamp area. Or a heavily wooded area. Of yes. course they're going to be because they've got to hide. They've, I they've get got it. coverage. But, yeah. Uh, two sisters reported an encounter with a pair of hair-covered giants while out at Medibemps Lake in 1942. Again, weird name for a lake, but whatever. Yep. It, it's I guarantee it's probably some sort of Native American name. Uh, the girls would, would fish from the rocky island until one night a howling described as a melodious singing from someone with a husky voice. James, how does that sound? <laughs> Some shit like that. Perfect. All right. Echoed across the lake, and at one point, they were confronted by the pair of monsters who took their fish. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, monsters. They're like, look, we're well, hungry. Hey, you guys got it. We're you guys already it. got it for us. We're going to take it. Look, you keep taking our lumber. We're going to take your fish. Y'all are two little girls. Don't need that much food. We are big 10-foot creatures. We need a lot of food. Give me your fish. That's right. Uh, in 1964... That awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <clears throat> in 1946, four men working on Bigelow Mountain stopped along a trail to eat lunch and saw a large, enormous man walk towards them in the distance. They described it as well over 10 feet, long hair on its head, and covered in short black hair over their body, carrying a large rock. We'll see. If it wasn't for the 10 feet tall part, it involves food yet again, and... It could have been me when I had my long hair. <laughs> you, Give yeah, me food. You were you, you were uh, born nineteen. You were around nineteen forty six. Need to get some. I need to get some sheetrock still. Well, you no, I, I, no, I didn't no, think so, man. You're not that old, man. No, I ain't. Uh, in nineteen forty nine, a man named Burn White reported a seven foot creature standing on the side of the road on Bigelow Mountain about one a.m. So somehow between forty six and forty nine, the creature either shrank three feet or. It's a different creature. A 10-year-old boy reported a sighting in May of 1961. He claimed to see an 11-foot man with five and a half foot hair-covered arms. There they go. Man. Now it's 11 feet tall. I know. It, these tall tales, man. But it's, then again, when he's little, yeah, a little boy, his perspective is different. He's it looking probably, up. Even if it was a seven-footer, it could have looked you know, and 30 feet tall to this kid. That's a good point. And when you're a kid and you see something exciting, 
you know, kids tend to just naturally exaggerate without meaning to. Yeah. And so, like, if somebody, and, like, 11 sounds like the right kind of number. Somebody said to me, look, how tall you think he was? I'd be like, um, 11. He was 11 feet 11 tall. Feet. Yeah, because 11 is a weird number. And he stole number. my damn fish. He took my juice box. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> during July of 1973, the town, <clears throat> the rural town of Durham, Maine, in Androscrogan County and in into nearby Cumberland County was the site of several reports of a gorilla. Here are the, the sightings that uh, went off one by one. During July of 1973, the rural town of Durham, Maine, in Androscrogan County and into nearby Cumberland County was the site of several reports of a quote-unquote gorilla creature. Uh, here are four of the most uh, famous uh, encounters of the gorilla. Cool. Uh, number one is the Shiloh Libson Falls Road area in Brunswick, Maine, half a mile from the Huntington home in Durham, Maine. Mrs. Huntington reported after her own sighting the following day that her daughters have seen the animal three or four times. The first sighting consisted of four youngsters on bicycles seeing it. Sounds like Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. The three Huntington children, uh, Lois, 13, George, 10, and Scott, 8, and their friend Tammy Sereo, 12, were riding along the road about half a mile from the Huntington home. They matter-of-factly reported an encounter with a chimp. That's weird. Chimp, huh? Man. Uh, Mrs. Huntington will later tell reporters, quote, My 13-year-old daughter fell off her bike about three feet from him, and all he did was cock his head and look at her. I was <laughs> saying, what did you do that for, stupid? Yep. It was described as upright and chimpanzee-like. The quiet, intelligent reserve Lois reportedly told the main Sunday Telegram, quote, I fell right down in front of him, and all he did was look at me. I would have known if it was a hippie or something. <laughs> That's great. Love it. Love it. But it had a regular monkey face. You've seen a monkey before, haven't you? Number two, near Durham Road in the Jones Cemetery, Durham, Maine. A gorilla-like animal standing on its hind legs was observed two or three times by James Washburn. Officers searching the area found moose and deer tracks. Please note, finding moose tracks anywhere in Maine is not unusual. So, no gorilla tracks, though. But... It was seen two or three times. You saw it there, but By no, the same no, person. Footy, no footy prints. No footy prints. Number three, River Road near Jones Cemetery at the Durham-Brunswick main line. It likes that cemetery. Mrs. George Miato Huntington, 33, of Lisbon Falls Road, Durham, was driving home from a baseball game when she saw the, quote, ape peeking out from the bushes on the Durham Road. It was 20 feet away and made a mad dash on two legs into the heavily wooded area. The exact description of the ape was that it was a little over five feet tall with shaggy black coat weighing about 350 pounds. That sounds more like an actual regular gorilla. Yeah, it does. Not not so much a, a Bigfoot. Yep. She says it had a quote-unquote monkey face. Quote-unquote chimp-like was another way it was described. She coasted her vehicle as so as not to scare it, but when it apparently saw her vehicle, then it ran into the woods. She reportedly saw it two separate times during this incident as she returned with neighbors and sighted it again. She stayed in her car as others searched the woods. She was sitting in her car when she saw it again, peering at her from the crotch of a tree. It, it definitely sounds more curious like a, like an ape. Like an escaped monkey. Yeah, it does not. Like Bigfoot, when, once you see it and it sees you, it's gone. It's gone. Hell yeah. The fact you that it kept coming back and was you curious. You don't chase it. No. You can't keep up with it. It's gone. I mean, it has like a 10-foot stride. I mean, the thing, those things haul ass. Yeah. So, yeah. This, this has the characteristics of a curious escaped chimp or gorilla. And people owned 
chimpanzees and larger apes as pets they were allowed could have escaped from a circus you never know yeah you this, never know I, th- I think this is not bigfoot i think it's definitely a a chimp or an ape soon after police were notified the following area to begin what soon after police were notified the following arrived oh soon after police were notified the following arrived to begin a search Androscoggin sheriff's department a number of deputies cumberland county sheriff's department the main state police and state of Maine game wardens. Man, they are not playing around. Hey, you They're know what? I wonder if guns, it's the same dude. guys that went after that big alligator. You mean uh Game and Fish? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Maine Game and Fish. Maine Game and Fish. Altogether, over 30 <laughs> officers and 30 police guards searched for the animal for two hours. A helicopter was used in the search in the following days. Oh, they use helicopters to get all the monsters in Maine. Tracks found near a cemetery and not directly associated with the sighting looked human, but it had claws. Huh. They appeared to be of a bear, probably, most likely. At first, that night, some officers brushed off the whole incident as a bear sighting, which I would have too. This would change. Okay, now, see, the thing is, I'm going to have to interject. Sorry. I have seen bear tracks. They look nothing like a human. They have a round thing, and then they have three dots, and then you can Uh, see the claw marks. Oh, okay. It's not, they they could be distinguished from an actual human footprint. Okay. They're very distinguishable. Huntington commented, they make it out to a monster. I never said it was a monster. Number four, behind the Jones Cemetery at the Durham-Brunswick main line. By Friday, July 27, 1973, several more unidentified witnesses would come forth saying they had seen, quote-unquote, it. At 7.30 p.m., Peter and John Merrill found a footprint behind the Jones Cemetery, the scene of most of the sightings. They said it looked like a chimpanzee print. Um, Unless these guys watch a lot of, um, you know... uh, What's, what was that show back in the day? The uh, Neutral Omaha. Neutral Omaha. Yeah. Or actively go out into the wilderness to look to track chimpanzees. I don't know how you would automatically assume it was a chimpanzee print. Androscoggin County Deputy Sheriff Blaine Footman examined the series of prints and cast what was described as one which was rather deep. Footman said it was it's kind of a you know uh, ironic name. Footman said it was about <laughs> five inches wide with the thumb part broken off. Yeah. Hmm. Footman catching Bigfoot. Whatever made it weighs 300 pounds or 350 pounds and i couldn't tell you much more it definitely was not a bear i don't know what's going on here and i'd rather not express an opinion end quote because ak that means quote unquote i don't want people to think i'm crazy i don't want to lose my job that's exactly yeah other witnesses included huntington's daughter and friend who were riding bikes near the home which we mentioned earlier uh, washburn's activities are not noted huntington was in her automobile returning from a local baseball game uh, reports of a gorilla suit not returned since March 1973 to a Portland area costume shop. We're mentioned in the press. <laughs> Dang it. That's all. At, that's oh, it. Oh, man. Some guy running around the woods, huh? But did not seem to be considered too related to these incidents by the central main authorities. By Saturday, July 28, 1973, after many more phone calls from others confirming what they had seen an unusual animal in the area, police were taking the sightings very seriously. Our next encounter happened in spring in June, around June 25th, 1974, around York County, Maine. In the spring of 1974, my girlfriend and I were returning from a motorcycle rally in Laconia, New Hampshire. It was late at night, and we decided to camp out. I found a small gravel road, and we found a remote place to set up my small two-man tent. This area is referred to as the Pine Barrens in the Kennebunk area of Maine. It has a very thick scrub pine growth. About an hour or so after camping, I could hear movement near the tent, but was not too concerned because there's a lot of wildlife in the barrens. The movement got closer, and there was this really pungent odor. 
I thought, uh-oh, it's a bear. <laughs> but was still not concerned as black bears are mostly just curious and usually will not bother you. I should add here I've spent a lot of time in the woods as my mother and father were both main guides and the woods was my life. I have heard all the noises that wildlife makes in different seasons. I consider myself a good tracker and know the habits of most animals. Then it happened. Whatever it was let out a scream that made every hair on my body stand straight out and nearly gave me a heart attack. I'm saying to myself, quote, this is no bear, end quote. Now the girlfriend is awake and in hysterics. I'm trying to quiet her so I can keep track of whatever it is. It moved close enough to the tent so I could actually feel its movement through the ground and hear it breathing. Oh, hell no. This activity went on for about 20 minutes and it went away. I would need some new pajama hell bottoms. no. I would need to go out and wash my, my rear end because I would yeah. have pooped myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, no kidding. That is that is a like cliche from a, a camping horror movie. Yes, it is. I mean, to the T. You're just waiting for something to come right through you the can, fabric. You can <laughs> hear the movement, or you can feel the movement through the ground. Yeah, but don't you know tents are monster-proof, dude? Oh, no, they're not. We've seen plenty of movies that are not monster-proof. You only see the shadow. You only yeah. see the shadow. Tents are not monster-proof. Only, only blankets <laughs> on your bed are monster-proof. That's it. That's it. There you go. After a sleepless night, at first light, I crawled out to investigate. I looked for tracks. There were no clear imprints, only impressions in the grass and some broken ferns, etc. The impressions were about half again as big as my own. I wore a size 11. I followed the tracks and they ended at a cliff that was about 30 feet high. Well, guess he walked. <laughs> probably got a cave. Near I like there it he says he too. ended at the cliff. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to investigate further, but the girlfriend was having none of it and wanted to leave. Hell yeah. <laughs> I went back a couple of times by myself to the area but never found any further sightings in that area. This all would have been disturbing enough, but that year, I was leisurely slipping a beer and watching a documentary on Bigfoot with my girlfriend when they played a recording that was supposed to be a Bigfoot scream. You guessed it. Hair straight out, and an exclamation from both of us of, Oh, shit. Yeah. If that was Bigfoot, then we have been very close to him. Man. That is one hell of a sighting. Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, that, that would uh, that'd be pretty damn trippy. Yeah. All right. So we've got a number of other sightings. So apparently, this thing or this, these Bigfoots are seen quite a bit in the state of now. Maine's a small state, but still, it has quite a bit of sightings because I'm about to read about six to eight more. Jeez. Now they're they're a little bit shorter. Some didn't actually see the creature. Some just saw like prints. Uh, but they're still collected as encounters on, you know, with various Bigfoot organizations. And it's part of the research, so go on with exactly. it. Exactly. 1985 October in Cumberland County, Maine, a man took pictures of large footprints outside his house. That was probably just his wife's uh, lover. <laughs> yeah. Two deep imprints right outside the bedroom window where he landed. He he was a wrestler, so yeah. he was tall and, and, and heavy set. So he was. so. Yeah. And when he jumped out, like, it was, just, wham. It was Hulk Hogan. That's it. Uh, 1986 in Cumberland County, Maine, the same man who reported tracks around his house earlier saw two dark-colored, hair-covered men walking in, in his yard with a Springer Spaniel biting at their heels. What? So I guess his dog was actually trying to attack him. Taking his rifle with him, he went onto the porch and hollered at them. They ran off, but he could hear whistling back and forth coming from the woods. That's crazy. They run off, and all of a sudden you hear whistling. Ooh, man, that's creepy. No. Mm-mm. February 1987. These are these next uh, two are also in Cumberland County. February 1987. A man getting out of his car noticed a strong, unusual smell and felt as if he was being watched while walking into his house, and also had the same feeling inside. 
Hell no. Mm. Uh, Last Cumberland County, 1987. No specific time. Same couple as the previous three reports heard shrieks as they got out of their car and found droppings the next morning along with tracks of footprints. Dang, it's not just... Okay, well, why didn't they collect the droppings yeah. and turn them in? Have well, them analyzed. Because they're not scientists. They don't know. I mean, they're like... Nah, they I ain't it. picking up that shit. Some, yeah, some, exactly. Somebody's big old, like, uh, Doberman or whatever left Actually, them. that was more of a southern accent. I don't know how, I don't know what kind of accent they have in Maine. I have no idea. I just assume they're more like Boston, but I'm probably wrong, Baston. too. Boston. Boston. Uh, York County, Maine, September 15th, 1988. A group of Boy Scouts and six other campers all saw a reddish creature about halfway up the trail leading to the top of the Katahdin Mountains. It was digging for something, maybe roots. It was said to make very ominous sounds and smell like rotten eggs. That's actually a pretty common theme with Bigfoot is that his smell is terrible. Yeah. Well, Mr. Johnson, here's my bear badge. I'm out. <laughs> I quit. I ain't coming up here no more. I'm going home and drinking. I'm turning in my uniform. I'm Night- out. 1982, also in York County, a group of early morning bird watchers on the north side of Cadenan Mountain reported two large gorilla men walk through an open area between trees holding hands. Aw, it's a Bigfoot couple. <laughs> That's adorable. They're going out for early morning walk, too, before Junior wakes up. Maybe grab a deer, snap its neck, bring home breakfast. You know, the usual. Yeah, you never know. The birders only saw them from the back. The birders? Uh, yeah, the birders. They call them birders? They call them birders, apparently. Or at least this website does. The birder only saw them from the backside, but claimed these two gorilla men were quite naked and had black hair on their backs and buttocks. They walked the whole time on two legs across the small field and disappeared into the timber. York County, Maine, near Acton, summer of 1985, Highway 109. While gathering firewood with his grandmother in southern Maine, the informant heard a noise behind him. He turned, expecting to see a moose. Some 30 feet behind him was a creature watching him, and he split. Yeah. <laughs> Track record, 1996. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, 1995, again in Cumberland County, in Cornville, Maine, a man finds 17-inch footprints and reports it to the authorities. Okay. Now, that last sighting, 95, what is that, 20, 20 25 years ago? At, uh, we're in 20, yeah, 25, yeah. 25 years ago, and it hasn't been any since? There's That's been, uh, the most recent one is actually in December of 2013. I digress. You digress. Have it. Well, you don't digress, you were wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> December of 2013, an unidentified construction worker in the Litchfield, Maine area saw a white Bigfoot on Christmas Eve. Nice. Uh, he told Cryptozoology News he was taking his dog for a walk when it, quote unquote, went nuts. The man said visibility. The dog went nuts or the creature? The dog went nuts. I don't say it doesn't explain. Yeah. Well, I'm assuming that the. It's, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. The man, man said visibility <laughs> was low. Quote, but I ain't blind, man. I know what I saw, and my dog got out of control barking at it. End quote. It moved fast and like a human. It was fat, huge, and it had white, long hair. Man, it was just Santa Claus, man. Maybe so. He was that early. He was the uh, abominable. From, abominable from, snowman. From, yeah, from Rudolph. From Rudolph. Yeah. yeah. He said, looked like a white Bigfoot or something. No kidding. Quote, I never thought I'd get to see something like this. End quote. The report stated, I've always laughed at all these Bigfoot nuts. I had my reasons. Now I guess I'm the crazy one here too. Unless it was a very good hoax played on me. That could be. But I tell you again, it ain't easy for a man to make those kind of moves. They didn't look human to me. That is awesome. So that is the most recent sighting of the Bigfoot, also known as the Main Ridge Monster, also known as the Paluma, also known as the... Wait for it. <laughs> also known as the Medibimps Howler. Howler. My bimps. I My like bimps. it. 
my lovely Maddie Bimps. And I like the fact that it has been seen several times. Man, and I didn't even I didn't even bring in all the sightings. I actually I actually had to stop at one point because I had at least 20 more sightings that I could have brought into the story. Ooh. But uh, the, a lot of them were similar to ones that are already on here. So yeah, they were so just there's kind no of, sense kind of re- repeating. Kind of repeating, exactly. Yeah. But they were different times, different people. Um, always a stank. Yeah, but always a stank. Always, yep. uh, and, and again, either... And now, the first one was the only one that was reported as 18 inches tall, which yeah, is... And, and another thing is, they never... In any of these sightings, the, the Bigfoot has never threatened them, or the creature, or no, whatever it is. No, this one is not threatened. It never no. threatened. As, and the one, the guy that caught the thing with a pet, I wish there was a picture of that. Oh, I know, seriously. An 18-inch little Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> at, le- at least have someone like do a, like a, a painting of you or something. Yeah. Put something out there for... But do that a, was 1855. Do a, so do a drawing or something. He just know? could have been one of those nuts that lived in the woods, Probably. Too. Yeah, he probably was. But then again, like I don't know where the original story came from. Like Who did he tell? That ended up telling somebody else ended up like you know becoming legend or whatever yeah you know but and he told thing, somebody yeah and the thing is you always have to you know you can't always fact check these people you gotta do you have to take people at their word a lot of times but when you have several corroborated stories like this similar occurrences similar behavior similar aromas odors whatever uh footprint size things like that it it lends to uh it helps to prove that something is up there that it's not human. Gotcha. At least as far as I'm concerned. And as we mentioned earlier, you know, a lot of times, you know, 1800s, early 1900s, you know, reputation was kind of like, you know, a, a big thing. It still is, but it was bigger bigger back then. You know, a lot of people wouldn't just, you know, shout out these stories or spit out these stories for fear of being ridiculed or run out of town. Yeah. And so a story like an 18 inch person would not be just something that you would just tell somebody for, if it wasn't true. Yeah. That's, you know? that's it. Uh, unless and you like just said, don't care he, about being ridiculed. And, but then, you know, how the story get out, you know, and all this other stuff. Plus, like I said, if he lived in the woods, yeah, you know, nobody was around. He kept this thing to himself, you know, James, why don't you tell the uh, fine folks where they can find us? Absolutely, man. This was a fun episode, brother. Yeah, it really was. Uh, folks, you can find us on the fourthhand.com network, and you can also find our sister project, What the Suck. You can find us on Facebook, of course, The Big Evil, as I call it, and we are on Instagram. Uh, you can find us anywhere that your podcasts or, you know, that you listen to your podcast. Yes. <coughs> Google, you know, Spotify, CastBox, you name it, it's there. Go get it. Go find it. Yeah. Or Please. Send it to your friends. Um, and we, we enjoy all the uh, interactions with you guys on Facebook and Instagram. So keep it up. Um, if you have a story that uh, you want us to take a look at or research or whatever, talk about on the show, send it to us. Uh, if you have a personal encounter. So a lot of times um, we play personal encounters on this show and they're audio recordings of people who actually encountered or had the encounter and have sent it to us to play on the show. Um, and they are they correspond with the state that we're talking about. So if you have an encounter, yeah, either from a state you lived in or even one you just visited, exactly. Whether yes. it's uh, a Bigfoot, whether it's a chupacabra, whether it's a werewolf, vampire, alien, whether it's it's a close encounter with a serial killer, whether it's a close encounter with a cult, anything odd, unusual that you encountered, whether in living in or visiting the state, send it in to us. Please, uh, please also remember to include your first name. You don't have to look, you give us your last name if you don't want. And you can even make up your first name if you want. It doesn't matter if you want privacy. Uh, your name, 
approximate date or time period of when this happened, you know, the state, of course, and, you know, and brief, just tell your story. five, ten minutes of story, yeah. record it, and email it to us. Email it to us at stateoffearpodcast.gmail.com. Uh, if you find that the story runs longer than 10 minutes, just let us know and we'll set up a Dropbox for you to drop it in so we can, uh, we'll play. If it's 20 minutes long, we'll play it. It's and we'll fine. air the whole thing. That's Absolutely. Right. It's your story. We want to hear it and we want our listeners to hear we it. We want to hear from y'all. So if you have those stories, send them in to us. Email at stateoffearpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. Yeah. All right, man. Well, this was a lot of fun. Um, you know, I always love indeed. hearing about cryptids. Love them cryptids, topics. man. Um, and I think I'm ready to go on to the next date. Yes, sir. And this is James, and we're going to see you guys down the road. See you guys. Hey there, this is Erica Kelly, host of Southern Fried True Crime. I cover contemporary and historical cases, and I love listener suggestions. And like any good gossip, I'm interested in anyone and anything. Come join me as I explore the dark underbelly of the Deep South. I'm a one-woman show in a narrative format, kind of like sitting by the fire and listening to a story. So pull up a chair and subscribe if you're interested. I'd love to have you. You can find me on any of your favorite podcast apps. Just search for Southern Fried True Crime. Until then, y'all take care.